Arts. Good morning, everybody. For those who we haven't met before, my name is Sean Searle, that's my wife Chantal, and son Connor, and Dave, and Tatum, and my little girl around the summit. Uh, and we have the uh, amazing privilege of meeting this year. And it's, um, it really is an amazing honor to be here with you guys, meeting in person, seeing each other and chatting. So, thank you. <laughs> so I'm really hoping this, that today Um, but I love, I love all sports. I really, really do. And right now, there's something going on in the world that happens only every four years. Ten points for anyone who can choose what that is. The Olympics, ten points for you. So the Olympics is going on, right? And I mean, we've probably all got our own favourite sports, whether it's swimming or gymnastics or soccer or athletics. Um, but there's something about the Olympics that's just thrilling, isn't it? I mean, we get to watch these athletes that have been training their bodies and have been getting themselves ready for three years and 364 days until these games start. And then they get to step up and they get to their hits and then they get to the finals and they get to, to put all of the things that they've worked so hard on into practice. And, uh, and for us as spectators, we get to, to watch, you know, we've got this South African lady that did the swimming one, she broke a world record for swimming, you know, and there's something in us as South Africans, we feel so proud of them, we're like, wow, come on, this is South African doing it, you know, we love it, we love to watch people run and, and, and win, and uh, we're not the only ones, because according to Olympics.com, there's around 203 million viewers then watch the 2004 Athens games. Yeah. And that was when we didn't have streaming and all of the things that we have right now. Um, so it's a lot of people that are sitting watching these things. And if I can just be a little bit, um, you know, braggish, I've actually run a lap on the first Olympic stadium that was ever built for the modern Olympics. It's called the Panathenaic Stadium which was built for the Olympics in, nine, in 1896. It's in Athens, in Greece, and I was fortunate to run a lap on that. Wow. And I didn't get a medal, but I beat the guy that was with me. <laughs> so it was, it was cool, it was cool. But um, there's something very special about being in a stadium like that that was created um, for people to run a race. And while many of us most of us, we've never ever found ourselves in such a prestigious race or prestigious event like um, the Olympics with hundreds of millions of people watching our performances and cheering us on and crying with us when we stumble and, you know, crying with us when we don't get that medal that we've tried so hard for. But for us as Christians, for us as followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're running our own race. We're running a race with Him. And um, and our reward is not going to be a gold medal that we can put up in a nice little case and exhibit to the world. Our race 
where we end and we get to the final will be one that gets us eternal reward and, and, um, and proximity and life with Jesus or it will be one where there's going to be separation and we're going to be removed from him and we will um, effectively have lost out on the reward that we toil so hard for in this life. So if we can go to Hebrews 12, um, you know, it's important that the Bible says this stuff. It's not about what I say, it's about what's in the Word. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, sounds familiar? 203 people watching the Olympics. There's a great crowd of witnesses in this room. We watch us witness each other as we run. The Lord watches us from heaven. Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run this race, the race, with perseverance. Oh, sorry, let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. You see, the moment, if you're, if you're a believer in this house, the moment that you surrendered your life to Jesus, you repented of your sins, and you put your faith in Him, your race started. The gun went off. And it's a completely different race to what we race when we we're in the world. That's called the rat race. Yeah? And in the rat race, what do we do? We chase happiness and pleasure. We chase wealth. We chase power, importance. I want to be respected. It's about me, the evil trinity. Me, myself, and I. Yeah? We heard that before. That's it. But the problem is on that address, we're like a hamster on a wheel. And we keep running, keep running, but we never get to the finish line. The goalposts always get moved. So I work in sales for example. So we call in sales, we've got a term called the donut. Do you know the donut? You're in sales, have you heard of the donut before? So the donut is quite simply this. Every single month, as a salesperson, I've got a target that I need to reach. If I reach that target, I am the hero. They will take me for lunch, I'll get a juicy commission, they'll celebrate me, they'll treat me like God. And then when we move from the 31st of the month to the 1st of the month, the donut arrives. Because you start on zero. Yeah. And you've gone from hero to zero. No, That's the donut. We keep chasing this thing, we keep running a race that we're never going to win. We're always going to start fresh. But if we have a look at this scripture, I love this scripture because it doesn't always share with us that we've got people that are, are cheering us on. A host of a crowd, this great host that are cheering us on and, and trying to get us there. But it also gives us a little bit of coaching, and that's what I'm hoping to do today. So if we look at it, it says, Let us throw off anything that hinders us. So I'm going to refer a lot back to the Olympics and that as an example, because it's practical, and I like practical things because I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So if I can see it, it makes sense to me. So if you have a look at your Olympic sprinters and your swimmers that are doing their disciplines, what does their equipment look like? What does their clothes look like? Is it very baggy and loose and got lots of little tassels and all the rest of it? No, it's not. These guys are optimized for speed. They've got the best kit on for the discipline or the environment that they find themselves in. 
And I think we can actually learn quite a lot from these athletes and from the scripture. Because in my life and in your life, there's going to be things that are going to hinder our spiritual performance and our ability to run the race well. So if I had to ask you, what do you think are some of the things that are holding us back, that are hindering us, or you, from being your personal best and running the show as well? Is that, anyone? Give me, a, give me something. What do you think holds you back? Hmm? Time. Time. Time, yeah. Or lack of Or time not well spent. Anything else? Complacency, entertainment. What do you think, Connor? Temptation. Temptation? Very good. Fear. So, the things that hold us back, that I can think of, that when I look at the lives of, of people that we've ministered to, if I look at my own life, and where I've tried to run my race and I felt myself starting to get pulled back and it, it feels like I'm running with the parachute open behind me and it doesn't matter how fast I run, I just can't seem to go forward. When I look at those things, then I think of things like unforgiveness and bitterness, fear, rejection. When I feel rejected, I don't know, if you, can you view that before rejected? I felt rejected before and actually I didn't want to run. All I wanted to do is go sit in the corner and suck on my thumb. <laughs> it's not a great feeling. Rejection is not a great feeling. Idolatry. When you work in a business world, which I still do, and that world is driven by targets and performance, it's very hard not to get caught up in the guys with the last 10,000 Rand Rolex watches and the 400,000 Rand Mercedes Benz. These things will they'll go for your attention. They'll try and grab you, and it's a hindrance because we start to slow down. We start to take our eyes off the prize. Chantal was a sprinter, and she used this analogy once. She said, when I used to run, my coach would say to me, don't look at the other runners. You look at the, you look at the end. You look at the finish line. Even when I watch rugby, I watch the rugby, the, wing, the guy gets the ball in the wing. He's not looking at coming to tackle. He's running for that goal post. He's running. And he's throwing off, he's putting his hand, he's pushing off anything that's coming to him. And we need to do this. But it's difficult. Because sometimes these things that hold us back, these hindrances, we just don't see them. We know something's holding us back, but we can't identify what it is. And that's what the beauty of this body is. Is that we get as people, God's people, we get to be part of something where we have trusted godly friends, where we have our community members or our home group members. We have our community leaders. We've got elders. We've got people that can help us to identify and then to repent and to move forward from these hindrances. Isn't that what a good coach does? You know, there's that story of Arnold Schwarzenegger, this massive Austrian man getting to America biceps bigger than anybody else at that stage of the game. He walked up to the American coach and he said, you coach me. And he looked at him and he said, take your pants off. Sounds weird. And he dropped his pants and he said to him, okay, from now on we'll stop training the chest and arms, we're only going to train the legs. Okay. That's, that's the job of us as, as, as a community is to help each other. Never in a way that cuts, never in a way that breaks down, but always in a way that goes, 
I want to finish my race and I want Kevin to finish his race. Because when he finishes and I finish, God will have his glory. Then if we have a look at it, it talks about it talks about the sin that entangles. And as I was walking through this word, or walking through this, this preparation, what I'm going to say, I saw a picture of a three-legged race. And you guys know what a three-legged race is, right? For any of you that don't come, come and stand here next to me. Come stand next to me. Stand right next to me. So three-legged race is where I'm going to tie my leg to his. And then we've got to run together. Right? So I've effectively given up my ability to run fast if you run slow. And he's given up his ability to run fast. His ability to run fast. So that's what, that's, that's, that's what I saw. I saw this, this, this joining of, of us to something. And this thing, it, it slows us down. Right? I mean, it's, it's fun. Yeah, but it's not a race I want to run. You're going to have no Olympic runner that's going to get onto it with his little leg tied to his coach and there they go, off at the 100 meter sprint. But sin does this to us. And it'll slow you down. It'll make you fall. And sometimes you'll just give up. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I've gone too far. I've done too bad. God can't redeem us. I'm running. I'm out. I'm gone. And that's not the race we call to run. We call to run this race and to finish it. And I want to say to you, every single person in this room, there is nothing that you have done or are doing that is too dark or too dirty for the Lord to redeem. And I tell you now, the devil is a liar. He will tell you that you cannot tell anybody about that. But you can't confess that. I can't be a transparent about that. Because when you do, they're going to reject you. And they're going to judge you. And they're going to put you in a naughty corner. They're going to have nothing to do with you. And let me tell you, that is not how we run this race. And that is not how this group of people are going to treat you. When you come forward in repentance, you're going to receive grace. You're going to receive understanding. We're going to help you to repent, which is not... Lord, I'm sorry I got caught and I get the and I'm gonna get punishment. I'm so sorry, but I've fallen so short of your standards. And I never want to do it again. So I'm gonna turn from that thing and I'm gonna walk in the other direction. And that's how we do it. We do it together. And if that's if that's you, we're gonna have some time later where we can do business with the Lord. Where we can actually start to, to get rid of this third wheel that's attached to us, that's holding us back from our race. So in Galatians 5 verse 7, read here, this is Paul, and um, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's basically, what he's talking about here is the fact that there's some people that have come in and have perverted the gospel, saying that you can be saved by faith through Christ alone. And they're coming in and they're saying that there's certain things and laws and, 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 and things that need to be done for you to be saved. And he says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Once again, using this analogy of a race. And I believe that this is just this is just one. That is just one example of how things can come in and, and cut in on our faith. 
We're outsiders, just completely unexpected, and we lose perspective of everything. And, and I've got to say to you, just looking at Facebook lately, or any kind of social media, I believe that's one of the things that's coming in. It's hitting us from the side and we're getting totally caught up and it's distracting us from the gospel. It's distracting us from our race. It's distracting us from what God's intended for us. Because all you see, I mean, how many of you can, and I'm going to want you to put your hands up there. How many of you can, can look at Facebook and you've come off feeling fearful, feeling like there's been lies put out, that there's Christians, fellow believers that are impatient, intolerant, angry, divisive, critical. This is coming from the body of Christ. This is not even coming from the world. This is coming from in us. And, and that's not a race. The enemy is coming. He's cutting on us. And he's distracted us. And I just, I have to address it. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to derail our faith. It's going to break the unity between me and Kev. And these are big subjects. There's some big subjects out there at the moment. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. We're in places we've never been in our lives before. But the Word tells us everything we need to know. Let's have a look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In the prayer meeting, a prophetic word came out about love. That we are letters of love written to the world. Ivan came up, shared almost exclusively on love. That wasn't planned. That's the Lord speaking to the house. That's the Lord saying, my people, we need to return to love. If you want to finish your race, you need to return to a love for him and then a love for the rest. That is really, really what it's all about. Um, the next, uh, sorry, next scripture, please. So how about this one? I was doing a study on, on words, on the power of our words and how we should use it. And this is in Proverbs 18.2. It says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Ow. I find no delight in understanding what Kevin has to say. I only care about my opinion. And what does the Bible say I am then? I'm a fool. I don't want anybody in this house to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool. So we need to shun that. We need to, we need to walk away from that. We need to be going, those that say, I want to understand. I don't have to agree with all it. I would not say that swimmers are better than the sharks. I don't have to agree with them. But I also don't need to tell him on social media that he's an idiot because he does. It's not, this is not rocket science, guys. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching anything that you don't actually already know. Hey, when did it not become okay to agree? My wife says to me, when I talk too much, I get spit on my face. We've got to get it right, and we can. That's the thing. So, when you listen to this, you're like, oh, shucks, okay, hold on. Yeah, 
that's me, I'll come to business. How, how do we, how do we correct? How do we push that back in, that cutting on us out the way and come back? So for me, I think we can do it by just getting back in sync with the Lord. Getting back in sync with Jesus and running in the path of His commands. So, so uh, I shot ahead here. Um, at Psalm 119. There we go. So this is, this is how we do it. This is what the Bible commands us. It says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart for you. When we run in line and in sync with the Lord, suddenly these things stop being as important. They stop. And we get back into a relationship with Him. And I really believe that that place starts in your quiet time, in your listening time. It comes in when we, when we study the Word, when we follow the Spirit, when we walk and we talk with Him. And when we live open and transparent lives, so that our leaders can love us and they can help us to maybe just tweak our thinking a little bit, to show love, to have a greater understanding the fact that someone else is running a different race. They don't have to run it your way. Imagine you put the athletic stars in the swimming pool and the swimming pool on the track. It's going to be chaos. We need to spend time in the Word of God. And Andrew did an amazing, did an amazing preach on his, on his quiet time. And he explained to you how he does it. But that's not a one-size-fits-all instructional video that henceforth this is how Josh Jane or how Christians must do their quiet time. It's just an example for us to take and customize. I do it very differently. I'll tell you about my quiet time. It's actually quite simple. I get to work around about 7.30 in the morning. I still got my bag on my back. I walk to the coffee machine. We've got a little Vita coffee spinning machine there. I put the spinning machine on. I get my cut nice and warm. I put the coffee machine on warm because it's energy saving. I'm the first in the office. I walk to my office. I unpack my bag. By that time I walk back, I get my cup of coffee, go and sit down. I've got a Bible app that I open up on my nice big screen, and I get that on, and then I sit, and I go to Lord. What do you want me to do today? How, how are we going to interact today? And sometimes I'll say to Sean, I just want you to read, and I'll just pour through the Word. And it's like you just breathe it, and there's this, this revelation that comes. And other times I'll say, listen, hey, I just want you to pray for the community. Just pray for your church. That one's struggling with you. That one's feeling a bit ostracized and alone. And that one's unsettled about this. And, and, and I saw that, you know, Chantal walked out on Sunday and she actually didn't look that happy. Pray for, maybe send her an encouragement. But all I'm doing at times, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stick my needle in the vein of God and connect with Him. But then there's different times. Then there's times when we actually study the Word of God. This is not a quiet time. This is a time when we study to understand context. To be able to know how to apply these scriptures to our lives and to the lives of others. And the Bible is an extremely, extremely powerful tool. It's a weapon in the hand of the believers. It's the inspired Word of God. I believe it without any but. It can also be incredibly dangerous when we start to use it out of context. And all you need to do is look at how Satan tempted Jesus in the, in the, the, the desert. He tried to corrupt, he tried to twist, he tried to add a little tail to the scripture. 
And if you did it with him, I'd like to deduce that it's fairly, you know, it's fairly obvious that he's going to try those same things with us. And it's possible that we as an individual or as a group could misunderstand what he's saying. I'll give you one example of that. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You heard that? Nice little bumper sticker. It's probably a magnet on your fridge. Well, if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then go and jump off a 20-foot building. Because he's giving you the strength to do it. But that's not the application of that scripture. To isolate that scripture on its own, we're going to lose out all the rest of what is actually being said. What that actually means is that we can do all things in terms of suffering and persecution and death. We can go through those things because of Christ that strengthens us. So we need to study the word. We need to prove ourselves. We need to show ourselves approved. But we also need a whole. T- we also need a whole loosely. I'll tell you something. I I walk very, very, very powerfully in healing at one stage of the day. I really did. The Lord used me incredibly. But I started to build a pet theology that said God always heals. That is not biblical. And I built defenses around this, and I got preachers that were showing me that this was right. And I told everyone who could listen, this is how it is. And so an elder sat me down one day, loving me, said to me, Sean, go and study the word. I want you to study the word now, Kev, as if you were trying to prove me wrong. Go and study. Is it, Sean, you're trying to prove yourself wrong now? Go and look. And I started to study, and I said, well, hold on, this, whoa, this, like, I didn't have to go very far out of the first couple of books of the Old Testament I could see. Well, you've kind of gone left. You need to adjust. But there wasn't rebuke and I wasn't excommunicated. They just lovingly helped me back. Right, so we need to know the word. Otherwise, we can't do this. We can't run our race. We can't stay in our lane. We need to follow the Spirit. John 16, 13. Love us. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak His own he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. The Lord hasn't, he's not asking us to do this by the power of our own strength. We're humans. It's not, it's not natural to us. It's natural to look after me. It's natural to want the best for me. Even if it costs you something, it's okay. But when the Spirit comes, he starts to minister to us in a way. He starts to point us to Jesus. And then he tells us what we need to do. And then we listen and we ask and we obey. And let me tell you, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes people get very caught up and they're like, but how do I know if I'm following the Holy Spirit? How do I recognize His voice? The Spirit of God, let me tell you, the Spirit of God will always point you back to and glorify Jesus. And if you can look at uh, John 16, verse 14 to 15, says, he will bring glory to me, Jesus, by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That, that is why I have said the Spirit will take you 
from what is mine and make it known to you. You see, even within the Trinity, there's unity, there's leadership. Jesus will do the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit will point to Jesus. There's a relationship. There's order. And it's beautiful. And if we can bring ourselves into that and know that the Lord will never, ever tell us to do something that isn't glorifying to God, and He will never, ever ask us to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. It's not going to happen. That's two easy tests for you. If it doesn't glorify Him, and it doesn't stay in line with the Bible, that's probably not the Spirit. And then finally, how do we do this? How do we run this race? Well, you got to trust leadership. It's horrible. It's a swear word almost in the same age. Trusting leadership, being vulnerable. And um, when I look at the Bible and I look at the way that God has structured His church and structured Israel and structured the world, Leadership is his idea. It's not, it's not my idea. I don't want you to submit to me because I'm asking you to. I'm actually not worthy of your submission because I'm just a grey old 43 year old guy with not much to really offer. But I know him. And I'm trying to represent him as best as I can. And it's and it's it's a fearful thing, let me tell you. It's a frightening, frightening, frightening thing. To stand and teach you, and to pastor you, and to try and love you. But you know why? Because one day I will stand before the Lord, and He will ask me, How I stewarded you? And the Bible says that I will be held accountable for every loose word. So if I hurt you, if I mislead you, if I mistreat you, if I abuse your trust, I will answer to him. Oh. And those leaders, your father, your teacher at school, that, that leadership figure that hurt you, he will give an account for what he's done. But leadership is God's way. It's the way that he's chosen to put it together. And I want you to know that the elders of this church, the elders of the church plural, take it very seriously. Very seriously. We love you. And we want to do it right. Will we always get it right? No. I, I mean, guys that have been in our community for two years now have heard me say, I'm sorry, ahead of time. I, I'm saying it to you now. I'm sorry. There's going to be a time in my life when I'm going to disappoint you, I'm going to hurt you, I don't intend to, but I will. And I'm sorry for it now. When I do, I'm telling you. I promise you, I will receive you with grace. Because I'd rather say sorry to you now than have to confess with God there. Seriously, I honestly mean that. And I think that is what I want to encourage us as, as a community. I submit to leadership as I am leading. I'm a man under authority. Like the Roman centurion said, I understand authority. I'm under authority, and you're under authority. I understand this. But the only, only, one, only reason I'm talking about this leadership is because sometimes you're just not going to know the way forward. Sometimes you're not going to know 
that you've got a blind spot. And there's got to be enough trust in someone to come to you and say, Kev, we need to just help you there. I think there's, you start your course. Tell me what's going on. It's love. It's love. So now, <laughs> you, it sounds like you must be thinking, oh, shit, how do I do this thing? You know, how do I, how do I I'm falling short or whatever the case is. But you know what? The good news is today's the day of new beginnings. Today's the day when we can just absolutely turn our heads around. And, uh, and Jesus came. He died. He rose again. To forgive our sins. But not only for that. Not only to forgive our sins and to get us out of hell. But to come and live in us. To come and be part of us. And to come and help us become more like he is. And he didn't leave it to do us in our own strength. He said, Holy Spirit, come and help us. He gave us his word. He put us into a body. And we've got members with weaknesses and strengths. And we've got those that can share our burdens with us. He gave us leaders to care for us and encourage us. And if need us, to be us. To get us where? Back into the race. Why do we want to be in that race? What do we want to be doing? And if you look at 2 Timothy 4, 17, this is where you're going to land. This is Paul who's saying he's about to die. He's burying himself. He knows it's coming. He says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. So not you imagine that day? We've left this earth. Sin, shame, pain, fear is gone. And we behold him for the first time face to face. And he checks the Lamb's book of life and where our name is. And he says to us, well done, good and faithful servants. And then he gives us our crown. Our medal. In front of everyone. And we, we've run our race. <laughs> we've come through all of this stuff. We've worked through it. We've stayed in. We've had us cutting in and we kick them and we've had us handling us and we forgive them and we, we've got through all that. We've carried on running. We've had those around us that have kicked us up the pants when we needed it. And those that have dragged us along sometimes when we've needed that. And those that have said, please wait for me sometimes in our life. But we've got there. Beautiful man. That's what we're doing here for, to get to that time when we can be in his presence. And he will give us this crown. And what do we do when we get that crown? It's <laughs> beautiful. What do we do with it? It says the 24 elders stand up. And they give it back. And for all eternity we will worship this king that is so beautiful. So worthy. We will worship him. And we will be with him. Forever. And ever. And we'll have our crowns. We'll have our crowns. We'll have our we'll have our glory. 
through his glory. Isn't that beautiful? So, I'll leave the time here. So I hope that this has come across as